shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard, and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas, Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Chris Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... It is... A jam-packed show today on the VGK Insider Show. We are going to get in touch with Jesse Granger in just a few moments from the Golden Knights development camp. That kicked off today. We've got six days of hockey action in Las Vegas. We'll be with you every single day as that unfolds. We've also got a lot of information about restricted free agents, qualifying offers. The last the last day, the deadline to get those qualifying offers in was today in the NHL, and there's been a lot of news surrounding restricted free agents that did and did not get qualifying offers, including the restricted free agents from the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to dig into that a little bit deeper. We're also going to look at some big news when it comes to unrestricted free agency, and specifically... One of the bigger names to be hitting the market if Genny Malkin will examine where he may go, a potential trade for Matt Murray. We've also got one-timers, so there's really a lot to get to in the next two hours right here on the VGK Insider Show. Frankly, it is one of those things where as you're doing off-season shows, when you're when you're in that period of time waiting for the draft, waiting for free agency, news is slow, nothing's really happening. All of a sudden, you get here, free agency, of course, opening up on Wednesday, and all of the things are happening all at once, and the only way that we can ever make sense of all the things happening all at once is to bring in good friend of the show, Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Hey, Jesse, I know you're out at City National Arena. I know you're there for development camp. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. It's good to see some of these kids on the ice. It feels like they were drafted... A uh, half decade ago, and we've never seen him on the ice in Vegas. So, uh, very fun week. So, who who are you most looking forward to watching, getting your eyes on for the first time? Ivan Morozov, because up until now, I wasn't sure if he's a real person. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, Ivan Morozov drafted four draft classes ago. I mean, he was the second draft. He was part of that second draft class, right behind the the, gla- the, the class with. Uh, Cody Glass and Nick Hague and, and Suzuki, and it's, it's been a very, very long time since they drafted the second round in 2018, and we're finally getting him on the ice for a development camp. Obviously, he got to spend some time with the Henderson Silver Knights last year, but this is really the first time he's ever been a part of any Golden Knights-related skate. So I want to see how he looks with his peers out here. I want to see how he looks in the rookie tournament coming up, because to me, I mm-hmm. think I think he and Brendan Brisson are the two players that have a chance to, to make an impact at the NHL level this year. But for me, I, I lean more towards Morozov being a guy who actually has a chance of making this roster because I think he's more built for a bottom six role. And I think like, uh, Brendan Brisson's a great player. I think he's got a bright future. But I think he is 
not going to be able to play a bottom six role in the NHL. I think he's a scorer, and I think he's a small guy. I think he belongs in a, on a scoring line, whereas Morozov, to me, is a little more versatile. I think if they need a guy to come in and play bottom six minutes, similarly to how Lisbon and Rambier did last year, I think Morozov can do that. So to me, um, I'm most, most focused on Morozov just because I think, one, we haven't seen him ever, and two, I think he's got a legitimate chance to, to play some real games with the Golden Knights this year. You know, it's interesting that you kind of bring up the bottom six uh, and, and the different roles for some of these young players' prospects because I, I think oftentimes, as fans kind of look at it, they, they get enamored with the skill of, say, a Brendan Brisson, but there has to be a fit, right? Like, there's a reason Alex Tuck didn't play top-line minutes for the Golden Knights. The fit just wasn't there. He was in that third-line role as ancillary scoring. Uh, when it when it comes to Brisson, though, and you look at the Golden Knights roster as it stands right now, do you do you not envision an opportunity or, or perhaps a spot for Brisson on a third line if you're going with a scoring slant there? Right. I mean, that that would be the other option. Like At, at one time, the Golden Knights had a, a relatively good scoring third line. Alex Tuck, as you mentioned, was part of that. I think if you mm-hmm. go that route, yes, you can. But I also think when I look at Bruce Cassidy, what he did in Boston, he liked to players on those top lines it wasn't it wasn't an approach where boston spread their talent throughout three lines and tried to score on all of them it was more of a let's load up our top guys let's get them out there together let's try to score and then we're going to use our grinders and our good defensive forwards to play defense and and not let the other team's top line score and try to steal some shifts that way so i mean we haven't seen bruce cassidy in vegas maybe his philosophies will be a little different but i I don't know. I think I think Brisson is going to play in the NHL some games this year. I don't know how regu- regularly. I do think that if if you have injuries, obviously Vegas fans know that's going to happen. They had plenty of them last year. I think eventually some guys will go down, and he will get a chance to to play offensive minutes. I think he belongs on the power play. I think if you're going to put him in the NHL, he, it should at least be on the second power play because that's where his skills shine the most. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, if, if you told me one of these guys is going to carve a regular role, not because of injuries on this year, I think I would lean toward toward Morozov just because of experience. He's played a lot of professional hockey in the KHL against grown men, um, whereas Brisson just got his first taste of it this past season at the very end of the year with the AHL. So I think Morozov is a little more developed. I think he's older, and I think that that role. I think there's. I think the style of hockey he plays, there's going to be more of, a, of an opening there than it, there will be for Brisson. So you and I have kind of had conversations before about development camp, what it is we're looking for in, in different facets, whether it be the practice, the practices, or the scrimmages. Like when when you are are, are viewing the this this week long practice scrimmage type of, of workouts for the Golden Knights for these young players, what are you? What are you looking for most, or what do you put the most stock into? Is it what they're doing in practice during the drills, or is it what they do in the scrimmage? Um, I mean, the scrimmage, for sure, you can learn a little more. You actually get to see them play some hockey and play some defense, and and you get to see the guys with vision because, I mean, all these guys Mm -hmm. can shoot. All these guys can skate. To me, hockey sense and vision and and being able to to not only recognize what's happening on the fly during when when it's happening fast, but also being able to execute the plays in that speed. So I think in, in scrimmages and in these rookie tournament games, you'll see eventually. I think you'll be able to see a little more of that. Here in these drills that they're running today, these first few days, to be honest, there's not a whole lot to glean. I think 
Um, you mm-hmm. some guys they're they're like if if a guy is a really good skater, an exceptional skater, it'll pop, and and those and those guys will pop on the ice here. Um, if a guy's got a really good release, Brendan Brisson, for example, um, when they're going through the shooting line, if you don't even have to be paying attention to the numbers on the back of the jersey, as soon as you see Brendan Brisson shoot one, you can tell that guy does this differently than the rest of these guys. Um, so I think in drills like this, every once in a while you'll see some like an exceptional skill pop, but for the most part, these drills you're not gonna you're not gonna glean a whole lot of hockey information off of them. So, Jesse Granger joining us here on the VGK Insider Show from The Athletic. Jesse, you are in Montreal last week for the NHL entry draft. Uh, let, take us back to the energy. Like it, it felt like a really awesome atmosphere to be a part of. The fans were really, really clued in, especially in that first round. What, what are some of the things you remember or you're going to take away from covering the draft in Montreal? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. I, I'm very lucky to have been there. It was uh, I, I'd only covered a, one draft prior to that, and it was the one in Vancouver a couple years ago, uh, the last mm-hmm. in-person draft. And and this one, I mean, the energy was another level. It was incredible. The, uh, there were there were other writers from the Athletic there that were telling me um, they've covered playoff games with less energy than the first maybe 20 minutes of that draft. <laughs> and I think you look at all the circumstances, and it all kind of adds up to. Like, it was the perfect storm to have the most energy for a draft you can possibly have. I mean, we hadn't had a draft in three years. We're coming off a pandemic where fans are just pumped just to be back in the building to begin with. Uh, you put it in the, the city that might love hockey more than any city in the world, in Montreal, and then you give that team the number one overall pick. You add in the drama of everyone thought Shane Wright was going to go first, and he doesn't go first, he doesn't go second, he doesn't go third. So that drama's adding mm-hmm. to it. And then you have Montreal draft uh, trading a bunch of picks to get up to to, to get Alex Dabrinkit. Um, it was a perfect storm. And then, to be honest with you, after that Dabrinkit trade, it kind of calmed down, and then it kind of seemed just like a normal draft. Like, it was still exciting. There were, there were good pops when certain local players or players that had played in the queue um, that a lot of those Montreal fans had, had watched play. There were still pops when those guys would get... But it kind of just felt like a normal draft where we're just selecting guys. But for that first maybe 20, 30 minutes, all the way up until Montreal traded for Dabrinkit, it was insane. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it, it came across that way. Obviously, they were ruckus when, when Gary Bettman came on the stage to kind of start the draft. And and then you add in the fact that there were trades. You add in the fact that there were general managers really, really working, trying to find different ways, different angles. I, were you at all surprised? I, I don't know that I was, but you were, were you at all surprised that the Golden Knights were as quiet as they were day one? Um, I mean, like in terms of like trading up to get a draft pick. Yeah, trading up to get a draft pick, moving salary. Like there are there are certain dates on the calendar, right, where you are able to more freely make deals. And I thought the Golden Knights did a really good job uh, the second day rounds two through seven uh, of getting and finding some good pieces. We're going to get to that in just a moment, but. This is still a team that's cash strapped, right? Like we we know that we recognize that we we understand that, especially if the the proposed extension for Riley Smith is on the table. So there are very few moments between now and Wednesday where the Golden Knights are going to be able to make trades. I just were you surprised that they didn't throw their name in the hat or that they didn't move anything uh, day one of the draft? Um, yeah, I, a little surprised. I will. I will say. I don't, I don't think that they were ever considering moving into the first round. But I do think that, like you mm-hmm. said, they have to unload some salary. And um, there was. I mean, I was at the GM meetings as the GMs all got out, and I kind of just stood around and talked to a, quite a few GMs. And 
Mm-hmm. I, I do. Th- what, I'll, what I'll say is, I think the Golden Knights were definitely looking to potentially make one of those moves, like you said, a move, a move to shed some salary to open to give themselves some some room to work to, to maybe get a Riley Smith extension to get some deals worked out for some big time RFAs in in Hague and Wa and Kolasar. But mm-hmm. I think they I think they asked around from from what I heard. I think they they threw some names out there, and I, I just don't think that they had a deal that they liked. Um, and and I think that they were being patient with it. I think if they wanted to, they made a big trade to unload four, five, six, seven million dollars worth of salary. But they they opted mm. to. I, I don't think they got a deal that they liked, and they think that maybe if they wait and see if some teams miss out on some free agents. Right now, I think a lot of teams are maybe not willing to to give up a bunch because they're saying, "No, we've got this guy. We don't even have to give up anything, and we're going to sign him as a free agent." But if Wednesday passes, you don't sign that guy. Now you're sitting there Thursday and Friday, and these guys are off the board, and suddenly you can't fill your needs to be a free agency. Now maybe these teams are a little more willing to come down on their asking price and or or up their asking price, and maybe the Golden Knights will be able to make a move then. So, are are you kind of getting the impression that come Wednesday, you're not expecting a Golden Knights trade or any any type of big time move um, until maybe after free agency opens and you get that first wave of signings? Um, I mean, I, I haven't been told that. This is just me kind of reading the tea leaves. I think, like I said, yeah. I think the way I look at it is I think teams now aren't, if, if, you're, if you're the Golden Knights, and like name any player, any, any player that makes legitimate salary on this team that could open up space, whether it's Max Pacioretty, Jonathan Marcheseau, Alec mm-hmm. Martinez, William Carlson, whoever it is, if they're trying to move one of those guys, you know, to, and we don't know if they are for sure, but if they are to try to give themselves some, some cap flexibility, I think it's going to be easier to move them after free agency because then if you're Kelly McCrimmon, you can tell that team, you either trade for this guy or you don't have a, whatever it is, mm-hmm. winger, center this year. You're not. Whereas right now, as we stand today, those teams have options. They've got guys that are unrestricted free agents. Once that first wave of free agents goes, and, and we expect, I mean, pretty much every year it's the same way. All the big players sign in the first few hours of free once those guys go and suddenly you don't have options, I think that's when the Golden Knights might be able to get a little more value because teams are still going to be looking to fill holes. Yeah, hey, Jesse, there's there's a little speculation about the uh, health of Robin Leonard maybe going into the start of the season, also with Laurent Brossois. So how unlikely does it now become that they'd be able to move Brossois and, and go with the tandem of Leonard and, and uh, Logan Thompson? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely that's that's – something that they know. I mean, they, they have a better idea on Robin Leonard's timeline than we do. I think I look at Robin Leonard. He had shoulder surgery. Um, Alex Tuck had shoulder surgery, a very similar shoulder surgery last offseason, and it took him 155 days from his surgery to when he played his first game in Buffalo for the Sabres. Mm-hmm. So, again, this is not, I'm not a doctor. This is not an official timeline, but we're just trying to look at, we don't have a lot of information, so we're just trying to, trying to get a guesstimate. Um, Robin Leonard had his surgery, and it is exactly 161 days before the Golden Knights' first day of camp. So that's six days more than Tuck's recovery. We don't know if Leonard's is a little faster, if it's a little slower, but I do think that there is a chance he could not be ready for camp and preseason. I don't know. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. Maybe he needs a few more weeks. But I do think that you're, you're right, Chris. I think if your plan was to move a goalie to, to save cap space, suddenly if if Robin Leonard is not going to be ready for the beginning of the year, maybe it's not so easy to just roll with 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 he and he and Thompson, and maybe you do want to hang on to Brissois. I don't know, but I, to me, when I look at it, if I was trying to clear cap space, the position that you can 
clear cap space that will impact the daily lineup the least is backup goalie. And to me, Logan Thompson has proven himself as a as a solid backup goalie at worst at the NHL level. And the fact that he only makes seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, whatever it is, it's not very much. Um, and Laurent Brassois makes two point three million. To me, that's the easiest. That's the most painless way to save cap. Um, because again, most nights that guy's not going to be playing. It's going to be Robin Leonard in net. Mm-hmm. And when he does, I think Logan Thompson's plenty good to to play twenty five, thirty games, whatever they need out of him if they do. So. He- it's interesting because we think about the Golden Knights subtracting when it comes to free agency, subtracting over the course of this offseason, mainly because we know about the cap restraints that they have going into next year. But I saw it floated a couple of times over the course of the draft, over the last couple of days, that if Robin Leonard and Loren Brossois are not available, not healthy to go at the beginning of the year, that the Golden Knights would wade into the waters and look to get another goaltender to kind of supplement. I, I don't know that I buy that. Where, where are you at on that, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, for me, that would have, it would depend on Robin Leonard's timeline. If, if, if Robin sure. Leonard's going to be out for the first couple weeks, three, two, three weeks, I think you've mm. got, even if, even if Brassois is still not ready, I think Logan Thompson's good enough to, to play that. Now, if you're talking a couple months, which to me would be a really long rehab for, for Leonard's surgery, right. but you never know how these things work. Um, they don't all go the same. So if I, I could see them potentially looking to have to, to sign someone if, if they thought Robin Leonard was going to be out a significant portion of the regular season. Um, based on everything we've been told, I don't, I don't believe that's going to be the case. So if it's not, if it's only going to be a few games here or there, um, to me, you've got to have enough confidence in Logan Thompson based on the way he ended last season. Jesse Granger joining the show, the VGK Insider Show, as we get uh, a little bit more in-depth on the Golden Knights development camp, as well as what the Golden Knights are going to do over the next two to three days heading into free agency. It's a really, really pivotal time of the NHL calendar for the Golden Knights going into next season. Um, I I did want to ask you, because you were at the draft, uh, your initial impressions of Cameron Whitehead. (laughs) <laughs> he's great, man. I, I really like that. Kid. He, he, he reminds me of Brad Hunt. Um, and uh, Golden Knights fans will remember mm. Brad Hunt from the first couple of years. He was just kind of like a seventh yeah. defenseman. He'd get in some nights, but he was a healthy scratch quite a bit. He just has an infectious, happy, excited energy about him, and he brings it to the rink every single day. And I think there is some value in players like that. And uh, <laughs> Whitehead had that same energy. I mean, every, you're, so, I mean, every kid that gets drafted, that's the best day of their life up to that point, right? So they're all happy, mm-hmm. but he took it to another level. I mean, he could barely answer the questions. He was smiling so big. Um, he just he just seems and then and then I watched him interacting with a couple of the reporters that had like covered him in the USHL like a couple a couple guys that he had known for a while and they he was just they were so happy for him and yeah I mean he's he seems like a like a really cool kid I was talking to him I, I was like I know you just got drafted five minutes ago but are you already thinking about goalie pad combinations and color design <laughs> schemes and he's like you know what I hadn't thought of that but now I am and he's like he goes. Uh, every team I played for my whole career has been blue, so I've always had blue pads. So it'll be kind of cool to work with a different color scheme. So yeah, he's he's already thinking about that. Um, kind of with a little help from me, uh, he he seems like a really really fun personality to add to this draft group. Would would that be you? Like if you were drafted by a team, would you be thinking about pad combinations, color combinations, all that stuff? What you're going to do with your gear uh, within five minutes, ten minutes of of getting drafted? Is that what you would do, Jesse? 
Probably, and and that's probably why I didn't get. I, I, I'm not a professional <laughs> hockey player, right? I, I probably cared a little too much about that, and not enough about uh, <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> uh, so, like in in kind of assessing where where the Golden Knights went with uh, with their draft selections through uh, in rounds two through seven, uh, when you break it down, it's it's three centers, a winger, a defenseman, and a goalie. Um, you know, to me, like I looked at the the selection of Matias Apovalov and, and and like I'm I'm looking at that as the quintessential Golden Knight draft pick. You're talking about a big kid, center iceman, defensively responsible. Like if you're going to pick a skill set that probably lands him a regular gig in the NHL, it's going to be predicated on defense. It, tell me how Sapovalov can kind of go and and, and follow in the footsteps of, of say a Nick Waugh. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's funny that you, you say Nick Waugh because we just saw him on the ice for the first time. He was in the first session mm-hmm. that just the ice, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes ago. And the first time I saw him on the ice, the first thing I said was, wow, he looks like Nick Waugh. Um, just his, <laughs> his build, his build. He's, he's obviously not skinnier. I mean, he's only 18 or, or whatever he is, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, he's still a kid right now, but he does look like Nick Waugh. He's got the similar build. He's not I don't think he's quite as good of a skater as Nick Waugh, but um, he's he's a big kid. He's six three. Some he he looks all, all every bit of that on the ice. Um, and I agree with you. I think he's going to be a two way guy. I don't think he's going to be a big time scorer. He does have a good shot from from just talking to the prospect analysts uh, at the Athletic over the week. Um, but I agree with you. I think he's I think he's got he's he's maybe not not as high of a ceiling. I don't think he's going to be a top six player, but I think his floor is pretty high. I think he can absolutely carve out a role in the NHL and, and he's hilarious by the way. I mean he's he's from Czech and he doesn't <laughs> speak that great of English. Like we just spoke with him mm-hmm. after practice and he's still kinda uncomfortable. I mean like anyone would be in a in a in a, a, a new setting with not super comfortable this is your second language. But I he, he, he did have the best line of any of the press conferences so far today. I asked him what it felt yeah. like um, describe to me the moment stepping outside at the airport when you landed in Vegas and he laughed and goes yeah, the weather punched me in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, in fairness, I think it punches everybody in the face. That's fantastic. A little bit of uh, a personality there. Um, so, like, are, not a serious question, kind of a tongue-in-cheek question, but, like, are you going to be live-tweeting all of the scrimmages? <laughs> I will not. Um I, these, these, I, to me, I'm always looking. I, I know everyone likes the goals and the, the stats and all that. To me, it's more I want to see guys dominate these games. Like I, to me, it's not. Yeah. I, I don't really care how many goals Brendan Brisson scores in these scrimmages. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Brendan Brisson controlling play. I want to see when he steps out on the ice, suddenly his team has the puck the entire time. That's to me, that's a sign of strong players and what they can do in these settings because. None of these kids know how to play together. The, the scrimmages are mm. kind of a mess, to be honest. Um, and and, and yeah. you would expect them to be a mess. These kids have no chemistry. They're playing with guys that they just met a couple days ago. They're still learning systems. I mean, these kids don't even know the, the Golden Knights system all the way yet. They're still learning it. That's kind of what this week is for. So you're not going to see a whole lot of pretty plays in offense. It's, um, to me, I want to see guys like Brendan Brisson. And I was kind of talking to Brisson earlier today, asking him, like, at Michigan, you were the young kid. You were a freshman and a sophomore, and then you go to the AHL, and you're the young kid there, and you're in the Olympics, and you're the youngest one on the team there. Suddenly, he's a leader amongst this group. I mean, he's one of the older kids. He's a draft pick. I want to see him kind of take that leadership role, and he said he's, he, he has, and he said he's kind of relishing in it right now. 
Yeah, and I think that that's an important kind of step in in the direction for Brendan Brisson to make the NHL. Like there there has to be a, kind of like that moment where you know individually you have the confidence in your ability individually you believe that you belong at that level but then if you can take it another step and be a leader not just in terms of what you do on the ice but also in the locker room that that's a positive kind of momentum point for Brendan Brisson uh, out of this week and, and going into rookie camp. Now, uh, I do want to ask you just a real quick question about the the qualifying offers that we saw today for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, extending qualifying offers to Nick Haig, Keegan Colasar, Jake Lecision, Braden Pahal, Jonas Rombierg, and Nick Uh Anything surprise you there? Um, nothing surprised me in the ones that they offered, but the ones that they didn't offer yeah. to me tells you a little more. So there was, it was, I, I wasn't really that surprised that Dylan Ferguson didn't get a qualifying offer. Um, I like Dylan Ferguson. I think he showed a lot, but I also think over the last couple of years, um, some of the other younger goalies like Isaiah Seville and Yuri Patera have mm-hmm. sort of passed him on the depth chart. And if you're him, you're looking, maybe there, there are other teams out there where he can move a little bit up. And I think it was a similar situation for Ben Jones. I think Ben Jones, this wasn't mm-hmm. a case of he wanted to, he really wanted to come back and the Golden Knights didn't want him. I think it was more a mutual, hey, you know what? We really like you as a player. Ben Jones is a good kid, but I think there are better opportunities for you to try to find your way into an NHL lineup. Um, in other organizations, and here there are a few guys ahead of you that, that you're going to have a hard time leaping. So those two weren't that surprising, Ferguson and Jones, but I was a little surprised that they didn't offer Brett Howden. Now, Darren Dreger is saying that they're working on a deal, so that makes a little more sense. And then there's Jack Dugan, and to me, that's the biggest surprise of the day. I was a little shocked yeah. when I saw they didn't offer a qualifying offer to Jack Dugan. I mean, he was in the race running to be a Hobie Baker finalist. It hasn't panned out so far in the AHL. He wasn't the scorer that he was in college in, in, in Henderson playing with the Silver Knights. But it's, it's to me, if, if he's not coming back, if that's a sign, we don't know all the details yet. We haven't spoke to Kelly McCrimmon since he didn't offer him that qualifying offer. But if this is the end of the line for Jack Dugan in the Golden Knights organization, that would be very shocking to me. And, and, you know, it would be shocking to me too. I, I I like Jack Dugan, the player, but it's all about the layers to the game, especially as you're trying to make an NHL roster. And I think the question for, for Jack is always going to be, what is he going to bring to the table outside of playmaking ability? There, there has to yeah. be some defensive responsibility there. And I think that that's going to be the big question, um, you know, within this organization, especially with Bruce Cassidy now as coach, like, the premium within the Golden Knights is defense, and it's always going to be defense. And if, if that doesn't necessarily fall into one of the layers of your game, it's going to be hard to crack the lineup. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. All right, last uh, question for me, Jesse, and I know that you got to get back to it. Another uh, another practice session is about to start, or it already has started at City National Arena for Golden Knights Development Camp. How many hot dogs did you eat at, at in uh, in Montreal during the draft? <laughs> that's that's you know what everybody that's the question everybody wants to know. I ate three the mm-hmm. first day, and honestly, I was thinking, you know what? I think this is a good pace. I think I can keep this pace up. But after eating three the first day, I was done, man. I, I went in the next day and really completely. The, the hot dogs were delicious. They're good, and and it's the the thing that mm-hmm. people need to understand about Montreal hot dogs is it's not the actual hot dog that makes it good because the actual dog itself, to be honest, is just like every hot dog I've ever eaten in my life, the ones you buy at the store, you just throw them on the grill. What makes it special yeah. is the bun. It's, it's not even a hot dog bun. Yeah. It's like a Texas toast. It's like a slice of Texas toast that they just kind of make a slit down the top and slide the hot dog in there. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely delicious. But 
I ate three the first day. I come walking in because obviously the first night is a late night. We were we were at the draft pretty late. Obviously on the East Coast, it's three hours later than it is here in Vegas. And I come walking in the very next morning, and it's early in the morning. It's like eight thirty in the morning, <laughs> and they already have the dogs on the grill. And I looked over there after eating three the day before, and I kind of shuddered, like, "Oh my god, I never want to see these again." Um, <laughs> but I did my best to eat those three that opening day. Hopefully, it can help the Golden Knights power play if that's what people think. <laughs> Jesse, you, you're only gonna count, you're only gonna get credit for three power play goals this year. I'll take it. Ah, I feel like you should have taken a little bit more for the team. Uh, that is Jesse Granger with the Athletic, uh, doing a, a little bit of double duty here, joining us on the VGK Insider Show. Jesse, what are you working on this week? Obviously, it's probably development camp stuff. Uh, and where can people follow you on social media and read your stuff? Yeah, uh, theathletic.com. Uh, go subscribe there on Twitter, Jesse Granger underscore. And yeah, this week it's going to be lots of development camp stuff. I'm working on a big story on Brendan Brisson. He's, he's obviously the star player that everybody wants to hear about. So speaking with him and a few of his Michigan teammates um, to kind of unearth a little bit more about him, both on and off the ice. Um, so working on that. And then also some free agency stuff. Um, I, obviously the Golden Knights are going to be involved in free agency, whether it's with a couple small signings or maybe a big trade to, to make some flexibility and also i've been lucky enough to, to start writing some national stuff for the athletics so if, if you if you're into goalies and, and the national goal, goalie carousel to me that's the story of free agency i mean outside of i guess the beginning malkin is a big story but to me the way these goalies are all changing hands and there's more teams right now that need a goalie than we have goalies available so someone's going to get left without one um, i'm going to i'm going to be writing some mm-hmm. stuff on that too this week okay i lied because i, I got to ask you this question um <laughs> it, it, it seems like there are very advanced conversations right now uh, between Toronto and Ottawa for the services of Matt Murray. Uh, please explain to me why that makes sense for the Leafs in, you know, like a minute or less. Uh, it won't take me that long. It doesn't make sense at all, even <laughs> remotely. Um, I mean, unless the, the only way it makes sense is if, you, is if Jack Campbell oh. wants nothing to do with coming back there. If, if Jack Campbell has told them, I will not be coming back to Toronto, it doesn't matter what you offer me, I'm not coming back. And Darcy Kemper has also told them no. If, if, and, and they're not even supposed to be talking to Darcy yet, but you know how this works with agents and GMs. Maybe they've had conversations. We've seen Darcy Kemper linked to Washington. If they believe that, they, mm-hmm. that the, the, the good options are all off the table and they're going to be the ones left without a goalie at the end of this, then I can see trying to make a move. I don't understand why you would do it for Matt Murray. I really, really don't. Um, I know Kyle Dubas has a connection with him from junior hockey, but he's been mm-hmm. so bad lately. Um, I don't understand. I, I honestly think if if the Toronto Maple Leafs go into this season with Matt Murray as their number one goalie, it is a waste of a year. Why even bother? Um, I have a really, really interesting counterpoint to that. Matt Murray's 2-0 and in his career in Game 7s. Toronto can't win a Game 7 to save their life. That's the reason they haven't been out of the first round. Double down on a guy that's never lost a Game 7. Yeah, I mean, if they can find a goalie to get them to the playoffs and get them to a Game 7, and then you can put Matt Murray in for Game 7, sure, it'd be great. Uh, come on, that's Eric Schalgren. We all know that he's going to get the lion's share of the starts. <laughs> uh, that is Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Jesse, thanks so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Yep, always fun coming on. Thanks for having me, bud. 
Jesse Granger with The Athletic. Do yourself a favor. Subscribe to The Athletic. Read his stuff. Also follow him on Twitter. Uh, he talks a lot about eating hot dogs and helping the Golden Knights power play. When we come back, we'll take a look at the Golden Knights, the decisions that they made with their restricted free agents, what that means going into free agency, and much more right here on the V2K Insider Show. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Big thanks to Jesse Granger with The Athletic for taking quite a bit of time out of his day to join us in in segment number one. Also, as he did it from City National Arena, the Golden Knights development camp is underway, started today. They will be on the ice practicing today and tomorrow off the ice Wednesday. And then Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, we've got scrimmages to talk about. It's going to be really fun. I love scrimmages. The the question to Jesse about live tweeting the scrimmages is something of an inside joke. Um, and it stems from one time. One time being at a development camp for the Golden Knights, watching a scrimmage. Everyone's intentedly watching to see who's playing with who, how they're playing, all that stuff. But no one's really hyper-focused on who scores. No one's really hyper-focused on assists or points or anything like that. Like at the end of the at the end of development camp, there is not a MVP award for the best player in development camp. Like the points, all that stuff, it, it's it's kind of secondary. Um, if you're watching it, trying to see where these players are in terms of their development and which guys you think might be knocking on the door of, of the AHL, of the NHL, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there was one particular instance in which there was there was one person very, very much in, invested in who scored, and not just who scored, but what the first and secondary assist was. So I just I called that back with Jesse. It was one of those funny moments when you're in watching among all the other journalists, all the other people that are that are covering the practices, covering the scrimmages. Um, it's intriguing to to kind of peel back the layers of everybody and see what it is they're they're most focused in on. So uh, Chapman, I'm going to ask you the same thing that I asked Jesse because I, I imagine. Uh, when it doesn't conflict with the show, you'll be out at development camp taking a look at some of the practices, certainly checking out some of the scrimmages. Which one do you put more stock into? What, what the players are doing inside the practices? And, and that's all systems work. We get it. But to me, it's all about the scrimmages and which guys pop in game settings. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I, I, I think what we see in practice is obviously very important because I think you get to see how coachable guys are, how much they learn from yeah. the, the, the short time they have with the coaching staff. But I think I want guys who are able to put it together on the ice when there's actual you know, competitive nature on the ice and there's guys out there trying to defend them. I mean, a lot of guys are really good practice. Like, I mean, I was a good practice player in basketball, but I was a terrible in-game player in basketball because people are legitimately playing defense. So um, I, I I put a lot more stock in what guys are doing when there's people actually out there putting a body on them, people defending them, people blocking shots. I think, I think the practice aspect is very important, but I think the in-game aspect is more important because – you get an idea of how creative players are in certain situations. I mean, it, in the long run, it may not mean much. I mean, we saw Cody Glass just absolutely excel in these development camps, and unfortunately that didn't work out for, for the team or for him. But 
I do think that the, the on-ice product is important. I think for the coaches, I think it's probably a combination of both. But for me, I I do want to see what guys are able to do when there when there's other players on the ice, you know, trying to, to to play the game. Yeah, my sole focus is on the on the scrimmages. Like as Jesse kind of pointed out, you'll see individual skill pop during the the practice portion. You'll see individual skill, especially when it comes to shooting and skating, really on, kind of show itself during the the practices. But in order to gauge where a player is on that development curve it's all about the scrimmages so if you are a fan of the golden knights and you want to get your eyes on some of these players get yourself out to city national arena this week as the golden knights are in the midst now finally uh, of their development camp it's going to be uh, a week-long affair uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights and some of these young players that, as, as Jesse mentioned, like we haven't been able to get our eyes on Ivan Morozov for a, a long time. And I think, you know, Morozov's one that I'm interested in. Zach Dean is one that I'm very much interested in. And obviously, Brendan Brisson. Like, we got an opportunity, few and far between, to kind of see Brendan Brisson last year, but not in this setting, not as, as in-depth as we're going to be able uh, to look at Brendan Brisson. So if you are a fan, make sure you get out to development camp. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of, of hockey to be played over the course of the next four or five days. Now, I do want to draw your attention to restricted free agency. Today was the final day, the deadline, to extend qualifying offers to restricted free agents. And the Golden Knights put out a tweet a little while ago, prior to the show starting, of the restricted free agents they did extend qualifying offers to. So we'll run that down right now. Qualifying offers were extended to Nick Haig, Keegan Colasar, Jake Lecision, Braden Pahal, Jonas Ronbjerg, and Nick Waugh. So that satisfies the need to to continue to hold on to the rights, not allow the player to go to unrestricted free agency. It does not mean that those qualifying offers have been agreed to. Uh, we'll see kind of where that goes, what happens, whether or not Nick Haig's going to agree to the qualifying offer, whether or not he's going to, to want to look at a different type of pay. Same thing for Nick Waugh, Keegan Colesar, all that. The particulars of what the actual contracts are going to look like are are not known yet, but qualifying offers were extended to those players. The The players, to me, that didn't get qualifying offers are interesting. Ben Jones, Dylan Ferguson, Jack Dugan, and Brett Howden. Now, the reporting out there from Darren Dreger is that Brett Howden and the Golden Knights, that there's likely or potentially an agreement there that makes sense for both sides and you don't need to extend that qualifying offer. We saw it a couple of years back with Tomasz Nosek. So maybe that's the direction that you go with Brett Howden. To me, if you're talking about a player that has has a home on the on the bottom six for the Golden Knights, fourth line center, what have you, it would be Brett Howden. So I'm, I'm, I was a little taken aback by that until I saw the idea that's floated out there. Maybe, just maybe, there's a, a different type of deal arrangement with Brett Howden on the table from the Golden Knights. But I do want to talk about Jack Dugan for, for just a moment because... We don't know. Like we'll see on Wednesday whether or not Jack Dugan does hit free agency. Whether or not he there's no side deal or, or no deal 
that's in the works to keep him within this Golden Knights organization. And I think if you're talking about a player with a lot of fanfare, uh, when the Golden Knights went out and brought Jack Dugan in, that was the guy, as Jesse mentioned, in college. Very, very accomplished player. Very productive player. And I don't think production's necessarily the issue with, with Jack Dugan. I, I do think that there's an opportunity on the right team to insert Dugan into a, a NHL roster and get production out of him. But it's all about layers. And, and I think that that's the other thing that is, is worth noting as we look at development camp as a whole. You have players that have unique skill sets. With Dugan, it was on display every single time he was on the ice for the Golden Knights, whether it be a practice, whether it be a game or a scrimmage. This is a kid that has exceptional vision. This is a kid that can find the play, thread the needle, put the puck where it needs to in order to set up his teammates. However, at the same time, there was a a need for Dugan to take and add a layer of shooting the puck. There was a need to add a layer of consistency in your defensive structure. And I think that all of those things result in seeing the skill, wanting the skill to be in the lineup night in and night out, and then when you take everything else into account, understanding why it's not. Chapman, when you saw earlier today that Jack Dugan was not extended a qualifying offer and that if there's nothing that's agreed upon between now and Wednesday, he will be a unrestricted free agent, free to sign with any organization in the NHL. What were your initial thoughts? Well, I I think it's probably, for me, a, a little bit disappointing um, because when you think about, right, Dugan was in that first draft class, and you, you think about guys who, uh, um, from that class, that ultimately the only one who's still around is Nick Hague, um, uh, because Ferguson was 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 a part of a trade that they got in, in in that first draft, and you know not extending him either. But I think it's disappointing because I think there was a, there were high expectations for Jack Dugan, and I know I know because I, I I ran a lot of the Silver Knight games last year that I guess he had some injury problems. He was out a little bit, so maybe that hampered his growth a little bit. But I you know it, it's weird because I don't know organizationally how much depth they actually have um and and you would think that a guy like Dugan would would be someone that they would want to keep around but I, I I don't know they obviously see something that we don't um you know I know when he played he 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 was able to score quite a bit but there there's obviously something there that that the organization either doesn't like or 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 something that we may not know but it's disappointing because I think we all wanted to see him succeed, right? Like like Jesse said, he was almost a finalist for the Hobie Baker, right? So mm-hmm. uh, a, a guy who had a, a pretty really good college career to come in and not really have that success translate, I mean, it's a hard game. You know, there, 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 there's, a, there's a massive, massive jump in, in, in everything. So, um, but I, I would say I'm disappointed because I, I, I wanted to see him succeed. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like he's going to have that opportunity here. Now, is this as surprising? I, like, I, it's not surprising to me. Disappointing is a good word to put it. But the the qualifying offer news earlier today that kind of took me um, off guard or, or pushed me off guard a bit was Sonny Milano not getting a qualifying offer from the Anaheim Ducks. Can can you wrap your head around the idea that if nothing gets done between Anaheim and, and Sonny Milano come Wednesday, that's a young player who's really good, 
and, and can play a depth role and has the ability to to chip in and, and make plays, like that's shocking to me that Sonny Milano did not get a qualifying offer from the Ducks. Yeah, it, it's a bit surprising as well because, I mean, he, he certainly uh... – was involved in maybe one of the most exciting plays of the year. Of course, the Zegers, uh, <laughs> the, the 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 flip over the net goal. But uh, yeah, you know yeah. It, it it's it is surprising because he's a guy who who when you watch the Golden Knights and the Ducks play, it seems like he's always making something happen. I mean, he was a first round pick, Ryan. Like it's it's not like like he 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 was was some late round guy. I mean, he's a first round pick. Mm-hmm. He had fourteen goals last year. I think a lot of teams would would certainly be in the market for a kid like Sonny Milano. I mean, he's still really young. He's only twenty six, so um, he's certainly a guy who who it would seem has has a bit of a career ahead of him. But I mean, it, it is surprising because I mean, this is a guy who certainly has shown he can play in the NHL. I mean, very young guy, um, but I I am surprised by that, and, and maybe something get work gets worked out. I mean, we obviously know that just because there's no uh, offer sheet signed today, or, or or anything like that. That that doesn't necessarily mean that the wheels are off the ground and the plane has left the left the runway. Um, there, there's certainly a possibility he does resign, but I would be very very shocked that the Ducks would let him get to free agency. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And and if you're a team like the Golden Knights are that might open up a little bit of flexibility, wants to really solidify if they can as best they can uh, their bottom six going into next year and and there's been change there's obviously a new coach at at the helm like there are players that are out there that did not get qualified today that could really really shape up and help a a bottom six whether it be uh, Vegas Golden Knights whether it be I don't know the Edmonton Oilers whether it be the Toronto Maple Leafs, whether it be any of the teams that, that fancy themselves a contender, there are are players out there now that were not going to be available earlier on that you really can find uh, a diamond in the rough. So it'll be interesting to kind of keep our eye on qualifying offers, restricted free agents that are now free agents. Uh, it won't be the last time we talk about qualifying offers today. Uh, I promise you we'll get to more in one-timers. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to recap hour number one. Look ahead to hour number two right here on the VGK Insider Show. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Wrapping up a, a fun hour number one. Thanks a lot to Jesse Granger for joining us from VGK Development Camp. I do want to get to this this one tidbit here uh, before wrapping up the hour. Um, David Perron is expected to hit the open market on Wednesday. All right. Uh, whether or not he'll actually sign anywhere other than St. Louis remains to be seen. But the interesting part about this, and, and like I tweeted out hmm, to this, and I think it might be misconstrued a little bit. I don't expect the Golden Knights to have money to sign David Perron. I, I don't think that's going to be a happen uh, to, to be a thing that happens. I don't think it's feasible. What's interesting about it is that David Perron, every single contract he has signed in the NHL has been signed with the St. Louis Blues. Yes, he's played for more teams than just St. Louis and Vegas, 
But every single time David Perron has put his name onto a contract in the NHL, it has been done with the St. Louis Blues. If he indeed goes to market and he is signed by a team other than St. Louis, that would mean it's the first contract David Perron signs in the NHL with a team other than the St. Louis Blues. That's phenomenal. Like, that is, it has to be some kind of record. It really does. Because it's not often you have a player in David Perron who's been around the block quite quite a long time. Like, we're we're talking about a 15-year NHL career. He's played for one, two, three, four, five teams. Five teams over 15 years. And he's only signed a contract with one team, St. Louis. It's really remarkable how that continues to work out. However, if it doesn't work out this time and David Perron signs with a different team, it'll be the first time in his 15-year career he's signed with a team other than the St. Louis Blues. Hour number two rolls along here on the VGK Insider Show in which we talk about Evgeny Malkin, Matt Murray, and a whole bunch of other one-timers. All that's coming at you next.